Welcome to the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast, where every week I take a look into the world of film and television with those who have lived it and experienced it. I am your host, Derek Diamond. Thank you to those who joined me last week for my first live interview on Facebook Live and had so much fun doing it that we're doing it again this week. And joined along with me is writer, director, and actor Mike Mayhall. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. No, absolutely. You know, we we were just talking. Um, you know, it, it's been interesting. I feel like I've been leading off every interview the last couple of months of how COVID nineteen has <laughs> impacted your project. So it's like all yeah. you have to say is is COVID, and people yeah. understand it. So uh, how how has COVID been affecting you as far as as your work has been going? It full stop, man. Just everything, just just complete stop. Um, we. We were a little fortunate that we were in the, the final edits of our second season of a show uh, that I directed called A House Divided, written and uh, by uh, Dan Garcia, who's my partner on uh, Bronx SIU. Um, and uh, so we were kind of finishing that as COVID started ramping up. Somewhere in the end of March, we were finishing, putting the final touches on it. Um, and then when we kind of came out of the editing room, our entire industry was shut down. I mean, we, we saw signs of it. Um, I was working on uh, an acting role on Queen of the South, and I was supposed to be a couple days on that. And I had one day, and then the next week I was supposed to come back, and they called me before I came back, and they're like, nope, we're done, we're out, all the production shut down. Um, so... And then we were supposed to be in Atlanta filming and then overseas filming, and yeah, forget about it, you know? Yeah, no, I, I completely understand. You know, we were also talking, uh, my primary day job is I work for a, a minor league baseball team we have here in town. And no film, sports. The film industry shut down, the sports industry shut down. I remember I was doing, I was doing another show when I got the breaking news that the NBA had suspended its season. Yeah. And, then, and then from there, it's, you know, baseball looks like it's finally going to happen here in a few weeks as far as the major league baseball goes nba is gonna try and finish out their season in orlando and is that, is that finally gonna happen i heard talks and i, I haven't paid much attention um just because every day i can't decide if every day is the same day or just a continuation of one big day since since we stepped into quarantine yeah um, and it all just feels the same yeah, the days just kind of blend together. It's like I I can differentiate days by what show I do or if I have a show scheduled. Like, okay, well, it's it's Sunday because I knew I was going to interview you. So I'm like, okay, that's that's on Sunday. So that that does help out a little bit. But yeah, I think they're going to start end of July is wow, I believe okay. like very end of July or early August is when they're they're going to start back. Going to start up. And I, I've heard other productions that are starting to ramp back up as far as, you know, on like the major Hollywood level. But mm -hmm. we'll, we'll see what happens. I know theaters were saying they were going to open back up, but all the big releases keep getting pushed back. I think, you know, Tenet and Mulan got pushed back to August yeah. from July. So it, it's just I tell people it's a very ebb and flow type thing. It seems like it changes by the hour. It, it does, you know, and, and, and the more the cases sort of ramp up in, in Texas and Florida and California and Arizona, another hot mm -hmm. spot, there's several of them. The more those goes up, go up, I just think we're going to see more more things closing and pushing and pushing. You know, it, it just, it, it, it's impossible to, you know, so, so we, we wanted to film our third season of um, 
a house divided in mid-July. And we're, we're looking into doing that, but the cases keep skyrocketing. And it's so hard to sort of, you know, corral like our, our 40 person crew. We're just 40 people, you know? And, and so, and it's not that we're worried about that 40, it's that when they go home, who, who are their significant others talking to and hanging out with? And who are those people hanging out with? And you just have to think out and out and out. Um, and, you know, cause the last thing we want to do is, is get anybody sick. And, you know, I mean, it's, you know, I, I have, you know, I, I suffer from asthma. And so I, I, I don't deal well with respiratory infections and I have no desire to get something that seems to be killing people with pre-existing conditions. Like, it just, yeah, no thanks. Yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a crazy time. It's a very yeah. crazy time. So let's backtrack to the very beginning. So where, where are you originally from and what was it that made you want to pursue a career in, in film and TV? Oh, oh wow. We're going way back. Huh? Okay. Very um, beginning. <laughs> the very beginning. So I, I was born in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, and that's actually sort of where I'm sitting right now. I'm right, right outside of New Orleans. Um, and I, what made me want to get into theater and film? It's something I've always wanted to do. Um, I could remember just watching television going, I think I can do that. And I had no concept, no concept of what it was. I just knew that like, I wanted to be on the TV doing whatever that they were doing. And so I got involved in a local community theater, which led to high school, which then uh, led to me going to college. And I, I studied directing and playwriting and acting all through college. And I managed to cram a, um, a four-year degree into five. And then right after college, I just I just hit the bricks and just started started performing at, at regional summer stock and uh, regional theaters. And then I went down to Orlando. I lived in Orlando for almost 10 years. I uh, did theater, theme parks, film, and then L.A., and then now uh, New Orleans. So that's, that's a summation of what I've been doing. <laughs> so you mentioned theme parks. Is it like mm -hmm. doing stage shows at theme parks? Yeah. So I did, I did, they had um, big stunt shows out there, and I, have a, I had an action stunt background. So I did a lot of stunt shows, and then I did a lot of improv street theater, which was amazing, and hooked up with a, a group um, called uh, the, the Longshoremen. Uh, head by Oddities Entertainment, Todd Zimmerman out in Orlando, Florida. And it was it was a physical comedy improv, and it was just a blast. And that for years, uh, worked at Universal Studios, Disney. Uh, yeah, those are the three big parks. And then just side gigged whenever I got the chance. Hustle, always hustle. I've heard that more... I've heard that a lot is hustle, but I mean, you have to, you have to be persistent oh, yeah. in, in what you want to do, especially with, uh, with that type of industry. It's funny mm -hmm. you mention performers at theme parks. Uh, Cause I, it takes me back to the last few times that I went to Disney world. One of my favorite aspects of it, cause there, there are so many little things to do at theme parks that not a lot of oh, people yeah. know about. Like you think of the big rides and some of the shows like with Disney, you have festival of the lion King, you have the phantasmic show. Yeah. One of my favorite things at Disney, are the people who dress up as janitors and they do the you know the drum performances on the, the, the drums yeah yeah stuff yeah. like that just you just randomly happen by you, it and you you just stumble by yeah and then you just you get lost in it and you see how great it is and i, I is. love little performances like that it's awesome and those guys are like they are so talented like 
I don't think people understand the depth of, of talent that sits in Orlando. I mean, these are entertainers from New York and LA and Chicago, um, from all around the country and the world, and they are just amazingly talented. And and I think sometimes they get they get kind of a they don't get looked at because they're working at the theme park. But you know, you got Broadway dancers um, and, and and actors working at Disney doing improv and sketch theater, and it's it's awesome. It's really just great. Yeah. And you're right. The little shows, those were, those are things that I did. I, I can't drum. I have no musical ability, but, <laughs> but those are the types of shows that I would do. Like just, just the improv things that would just pop up in the corner. Well, that's how some of the best things happen are just by improv. Yeah. You know, those, those organic moments that, that you can't really replicate as far as you, know, you can plan stuff out and script things out, but sometimes it's just living in the moment and you really know, like thinking, Oh, this might be cool, and then you just do it. That's where some of the best stuff comes from. I agree. I agree, hundred percent. So, you know, you did theater. What was it that made you want to transition to then working in film and TV film? specifically? Uh, yeah, I don't think it was necessarily one thing. Um, you know, when I got into theater, I, you know, I went to a little bitty school in Natchitoches, Louisiana, and it had one of the best undergrad programs in the in the area, in the, I think the tri-state area. Um, so I really wasn't thinking much about film. I, I guess, I guess in my mind, film was like the thing that happened way over there. And, and it was, you know, you had to be, you are, I, in like my mind is like, you already had to be famous to be on the television. I didn't understand that there were day players and I didn't know anything about it. And when I got to Orlando, I, someone's like, well, you should get an, a, a television agent. And I was like, you could do that. Like I had no really. I was like, so I got a television agent, and I just slowly started auditioning, and I basically learned by making a ton of mistakes. Um, there was no one out there to really educate me. I just did something, and if it was the right thing, they were like, I didn't get in trouble. And if it was the wrong thing, I got yelled at, and I was like, don't, don't do that again. Um, and then I got my first stunt gig for a Disney movie called Stuck in the Stuck Suburbs. And I got to, I was actually on set watching a, a real film crew work because I had done some commercials, but it just, it just, for some reason it didn't resonate. And when I got there and I had like, I had my own trailer and a contract that was like an inch thick I had to fill out, which I didn't understand. And the director and the AD, and I had no understanding of the hierarchy of how it works. And I'm still confused. Um, I was just like, this this is it, man. Like, yeah, I think, I think I found it. And ever since then, it's just been a path basically to get me where I'm sitting today. Well, and it's one of those things that once you do it, you know, if you want to do it or not, yeah. because people yeah. don't realize still the process that goes through into making even, you know, a 15 minute short film, oh, a reality yeah. It's so many hours. Like you, you see the end product that looks great, but you don't see the behind the scenes stuff as far as, yeah. you, know, you know, and I know you write as well, just the, the hours and hours it takes to get the script the way that you want it. And then if you're acting, preparing for the role, if you're the DP, making sure you have the right gear with lighting and things like that, it, it's, it, it, it's, yeah, interesting right. to, it's interesting to see, you know, and to use a, a phrase here, how the sausage is made. <laughs> but it's, it's one of those things yeah. that you and once you do it you know very quickly if it's for you or not because it's really yeah. not for everybody 
No, it, it really isn't. But if the bug bites you, it it, it then forget about it. You're you're done. Yeah. Um, but how long was your short? How many minutes was your short film that you did? I didn't even ask the name. What was the name of it? Um, it was called the Parker Syndrome. The Parker Syndrome. That's right. And it was just under fifteen minutes. I want to say it was between thirteen wow. and fourteen with credit. So that's. That's a beast of a short film. A 15-minute short film like is huge. People don't get that. Like, oh, 15 minutes, yeah, but you're talking... Uh, you, you get days, weeks, a month plus of preparation, you know, all the free man hours, probably hundreds and hundreds of, of, of hours just to get that just to get that done, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I can only imagine the process of going through making, you know, a series or a feature film, getting that made. Because with, with the short that I did, it took a month plus of preparation. It took wow. us two days to shoot it. And then, you know, it, it, uh, editing, because I edited the film as well, between balancing that and, you know, doing this podcast and then my day job took took a few months to do just because yeah. you know to carve out time but it, it's something that i wouldn't trade for anything like you said it was the bug you know once i yeah. i did it i knew that was what i wanted to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's addictive a little bit you know yeah. <laughs> in a weird, so, weird way no it, it really is you know if you if you love it once you do it that's all you want to do and as exhausted as you can be because i was exhausted after my short but i was like you know what i could do another one next weekend <laughs> Yeah, I bet you could. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so after, um, you know, you, you had been acting, what was it that made you want to decide you wanted to try out writing and directing? Because I feel like a lot of actors, once they act for a certain period of time, they want to try to find out at, at other aspects of, of the industry. So what was it that made you want to branch out into that? Well, let me let me just respond to that first, that last sentence you said about how most actors, they kind of branch into it. So I have never been on a set as a director or an actor if I'm next to Video Village um, where the lead actor wasn't trying to direct the scene in some capacity. I think every actor just really wants to be a director. Like they, they have their scene in their head as their character and they want to make sure it happens a certain way. Um, so, so for me, for me though, um, I think it was the same thing. Like I was always writing and oh, I had this wild imagination and all these thoughts and stories in my head. And I just, um, I had to put them down or I was just going to go crazy, I think. And I, I started writing just for me. I would, I would write the stories that I wanted to play as an actor because, you know, you know, I'm sitting in Orlando, Florida, writing a story about an epic sword fighting, you know, uh, story. And um, I'm like, there's no way I'm ever going to afford to be able to make this movie, but I can write the story and sort of live vicariously through the story I write. And um, whenever I had the opportunity, whenever someone would hand me uh, the reins to direct a scene or to just oversee how something was done, I just jumped into it. And finally, one day, some... Um, I was sitting in, I moved back, I just recently moved back to Orlando, uh, to Louisiana. And I, I was like, I, I want to do an independent film. I didn't know how to do it. I just wanted to see if I could, but I was, I was sort of just going, I was all wishy-washy about it. And my friends basically were like, you've been directing and writing for years. You're, you're pretty good at it. Why don't you just, you know, do it? And we'll back your play. Like, you know, we believe in you. Even if you don't believe in you, we believe in you enough. So just stop talking about it and go make it happen. 
and it, it was really just like that. And like once I made that decision, um, I wrote a script, I raised the money and I shot it and I had no idea what I was doing, but I did it. Um, and, and Jake's road, that was the, um, that was the outcome of Jake's road, my first feature. Well, and that's the best way to learn, honestly, is just to do it. And I even tell people who are going to film school, you can't really replicate the the on the job training that you get by actually doing it. So, no, I mean, total total props to you for that. And the cool thing about writing, which I'm sure you've discovered with your your time doing it, it's cool that you get to create the sandbox that everybody yeah. else gets to play. Yeah. You know, you create it's the character. So much fun. Yeah. 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 Well, you, you, you experience this in, in your, your short film that like when the, well, I love it when, when the actor takes what I've written and they, they make it their own. They don't, they don't change it. They just, they, they embody it. And suddenly they're saying the lines the way I hear it in my head. And I'm just like, wow, now it's all coming together because I get it and they get it and we get it. And so if we get it, the audience is going to get it. And, I get so excited. I just get excited right now. I'm like, I want to go film something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those things that, and I discovered that for the first time doing the Parker Syndrome when we were doing rehearsals. Once I had cast the actors, we did a couple of read-throughs all as a group before Mm -hmm. we actually started filming. And almost seeing, you know, your words come to life is is really cool and really satisfying. And like you said, the actors... And what I love especially about the, I mean, I call them passion projects. Some don't like that term, but it's kind of what it is. But seeing them when they care enough to make it their own, you can tell Mm -hmm. that like they're invested in it, which makes you even more confident and make you even more into it. You know, I, I, I remember it like it was yesterday you know, one of the actors just added a new dynamic to one of the more dramatic lines and sequences of the film. And I'm like, man, why didn't I think of that? (laughs) But you take credit because you're the director and you're like, yeah, yeah, it was really, yeah. No, right. No, I understand completely what you're talking about, you know, I mean, because it's a product, it's such a a group effort, you know, you can't, one person really doesn't, It can't claim all the credit for a particular moment, you know. This is just too many elements to to for that to happen. And that's one of the reasons why I think film is the greatest art form out there because it's a true collaboration, and it takes mm-hmm. so many people for it to work. You know, I use the analogy that a film is a machine, and whether yeah. it's the director, writer, actor, even down to PAs, everyone's cogs in the machine, and it takes yeah. all of them moving together in order for it to work. Oh, it so does. It so does. I mean, I would just be lost without my my crew. I mean, just there, man. Yeah, 100%. So I do have to ask you this before we get into, because uh, I want to talk about your show, um, Bronx SIU, which was actually nominated for an Emmy, which I think is yeah. absolutely fantastic. Um, you. you You were a part of a film that I actually recently featured on my show a few weeks ago called The Dinner Party. Mr. Miles Doliak. Yep. Yeah. I, I had him on my show and he was fantastic. So how, how was your experience making that? Because I, I actually really like that movie. And that <laughs> horror is not really my type of thing, but I, I love the dynamic of that movie. It, it was, yeah, it was crazy. It was a crazy movie. Um, so I, I had two hats on that. So I, I played Jeff and then, um, and I don't make it too, you know, I don't last too long. Um, and then, um, then I was, I, put on my, my fight choreographer, stunt coordinator hat, 
and drawn upon my stunt background and, and, and directing ability to help block out some of the fight scenes. Um, it was great. So Miles and I met on my first feature, Jake's Road. I cast him in the role of Heath and we struck up a friendship and I have, we've just been buddies ever since through all of his movies. Um, once or twice, I've been in a few of them, just cameos. And um, it was great working on the dinner party. It, it was just wild though, man. Cause it's, it, I, it's like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to give it away, but go watch it. It's just an experience. Cause you know, you're going down this one road and then everything just turns like on a, Dime, it turns it, and it's you're, you're in a completely different world, and suddenly you have to survive the next I don't know the next third of this this story, uh, and hope that you make it out unscathed. But of course, no one really makes it out. You yeah. know. They don't, they don't come out the same way they went in. The interesting interesting thing about it is that because uh, I, I had recently saw Knives Out, so I, oh, I love I the like whole. Yeah, Knives Out was great. It was my it was my favorite movie of of 2019. But um, what I like about the murder mystery type of of film and even theater as well is the interaction that the cast have with each other because to mm-hmm. me all the characters are important. They all have a role. They have a reason to be there. There's no real throwaway type of character. So I, I love the dynamic. You know, the 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 long scene with everyone at the table, and you just see things like you're just waiting for for things to hit the fan, if you will. And then and then it does, and it just turns that whole genre on its head. And then the the ending. In no way could I have seen that coming. I won't give it away because everybody should go watch it. But it it was it was really cool. And like I said, horror and thrillers aren't really my thing because those freaked me out as a kid. But <laughs> I, I I loved it. it, and it seemed like a, a fun set to be on. Oh, it was funny. Miles has a good set. He does. He's a good guy, and he it it, it really does. You know, it, it really does start with the top on a movie set. You know, if you're you're if your your top people there are 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 leading the charge with with you know smiles and positivity um it, it, it really just kind of filters down to the crew uh yeah no he's he, i love working with miles i've worked with him all the time if i could absolutely so let's talk about your series uh, bronx siu which as i mentioned uh, was nominated for an emmy so congratulations mm-hmm. on that thank you, thank you uh, very much ha- how was your reaction when you found out that that you were nominated for that I, uh, wow uh you know um so so last season, our first season, my lead actors got nominated. And I just remember uh, for an Emmy, Best Actor, Best Actress, uh, and Supporting Actor. And I just remember being over the moon excited for them. And um, and so this year, when, when I got nominated for Best Director, I, I was really sort of in shock. And I think I was also in shock because I wasn't ready to feel so excited about it. You know, because I, I have, excuse me, I just got to get comfortable here. Um, you know, I, I make we make the series and we get into this and we make all these projects and, and I wasn't making anything to get an award. It's just it just sort of happened. We just sort of more on a lark. We were like, well, should we submit this year? And I was like, yeah, let's just do it. We did it last year. We should do it this year. So we did and we got nominated. Um, I, I, I think I'm still a little in shock. I couldn't believe it. Uh, I'm just now kind of coming and relaxing about going, oh, yeah, I guess that really happened because it feels a little unreal because I just think. I'm just a guy sitting in New Orleans 
trying to make projects and shows that like people enjoy and I want to work with with uh, my buddies and get us involved in projects so to, to to have a group of peers basically vote and say yeah we think we think you got some chops is it's humbling man it it, it, it it's it, yeah it, it really is it really is humbling that, that's a best word I can describe it no and it's like I said it's it's absolutely fantastic and that that's you know that that's a really big honor. So again, you know, congratulations Thanks, on brother. that. That's thank you very that, much. That's, that's so cool. I appreciate it. <laughs> so, what what was your inspiration for uh, creating the the Bronx SIU series? Yeah, I really have to give that up to Dan Dan Garcia. Um, way back in was it 2017? He came to me. He says, "Hey man, I'm working on this little series. Uh, this idea. It's kind of a dark cop show, but it's sort of you know it's." dark and twisty and um he came to me with five episodes and or five and a half episodes and the sixth was an outline and i read him over and i was like this is really good you know there's something here so we went together and i, I did a rewrite finished episode five and wrote episode six and and then kind of went back and forth on the script and it was his inspiration. He was, Dan, Dan is from the Bronx. So he, he was sort of taking stories that he had heard and, and putting them into a, a police procedural context. Um, like, like some of the murders and the strange things that he had happened. I'm like, he's like, these are real things that have happened to me or around me. And so now he's, I guess he's solving those cases. Um, so, so that was, that's how the first season got, got kicked off. But once I got into the writing, I realized that like, I really wanted to make a, a cop show that was less about solving the crime and more about the cops personal lives and how it starts to affect how they solve crimes or how the you know, as opposed to most cop shows you see the work is getting, is affecting their personal life, but this is more, how is their personal life affecting their, their work? Um, so then we, on season two, I decided to make it much more, um, all encompassing. So the plots were all tangled up with each other, everything, you know, you could, you, you, you could watch each show separately, but, but if you watch it in its entirety, you really see the full arc of things. And so we just went down further down the road of character development, um, and sort of the, oh, what a tangle web we weave sort of thing and i think it paid off season two is like really uh, it's got some really good moments in it and it hits some really interesting buttons um so that that's sort of the genesis of how where we started to where we're at now well it's interesting because you know whenever i was sent an episode of your show you know i, I try not to compare one project to another and you know i was instantly we, thinking of shows like like Law and Order, like CSI, which I've, mm-hmm. I've never really gotten into those types of shows. But what what I liked about Bronx SIU is exactly what you mentioned: is that it it delves more into the characters and their lives, and it's like the crimes mm. just so happen to be there. Like it's there yeah. to, to solve and to push the story along. But ultimately, to me, what a film or even a series is about is the characters and the dynamic that yeah. they have with each other that really drives the story and and kind of going you know a little bit back to the dinner party the cast and their interaction is what drove that story i felt the same i felt the same with the episode of uh, bronx siu that i watched so i i personally really enjoyed it i I thought that was a good 
it was a good route to go focusing on the characters rather than like, just, oh, here are these people. Who here's the crime of the week, right? Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Thank you very much. You know, and I, I, sh I should send you episode six because episode three and six sort of sort of touch on each other. Um, yeah, episode, episode three. That's when, oh, yeah, that that's when um, Homeboy comes out of his coma. Mm -hmm. um, that was actually, that's actually probably the most procedural that we get on our show because that had sort of this case that they were working on, which dealt with things from episode one and season one. So it was all sort of wrapped up. Um, I'm glad you liked it, man. Yeah, that was a fun episode to really do. We had a lot of fun. We filmed down in uh, Chinatown, down in Brooklyn, I think. Um, right on the street there. It was great. Yeah, that was actually going to be my next question is where did you guys film it? And uh, kind of walk me through the process of filming for television because I, I've talked with you know several filmmakers, but television is a, a, a subject that I've only talked about sparingly. On this show, so what? What are the differences between prepping for a film and prepping for filming TV? So I might be the wrong guy to answer this question for you, because we filmed Bronx, SIU, and A House Divided like a movie. Okay. We prep it like a movie. We have uh, six episodes, and we we shoot all of them at the same time and all out of order. Uh, I was the sole director on Bronx. And um, that's not true. Dan came in to help me. I caught the flu and I was out for three days. So he filled in for me. But uh, other than that, it was just me. But everything is out of order. So if we're going to go film in the these scenes in the police station, we're not breaking down one scene or one episode. I break down all the episodes, all of the, the moments that take place in this police station and we bang them out all right there and we're then we're out of that location and so what that is for me is that it's just i have to be a hundred percent ahead of the game and anticipate questions because they'll have questions they're gonna have questions about each one of their character arcs and each one of the episodes and how if they say the, the wrong line in episode one and they don't say the right clue or the right thing that affects the outcome in episode five because then there's no connective tissue. Does that, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So it's all out of order. And um, so, so my process is I really just approach it like a film. I'm downloaded 100% up here uh, about the script, character, intention, and motivation. And I just basically become a walking encyclopedia of this is what needs to happen next. Um, and it's, it's kind of crazy. It, it's not, it's maddening, but... I'm used to it now. And so if I had to go back to a slower pace of just like filming little micro moments, I think I'd lose my mind. Um, I love how, we, how I'm filming things. And it, it would not surprise me if more bigger productions start doing things like this. Movies are done like that. You, you film a movie all out of order. Nothing, nothing makes sense. Yeah. And this is just that times, you know, times a series. But I do like that approach of doing, you know, uh, approaching it like a film where you just like you said yeah. six episodes and though it may be out of order as long as you, you as long as you know where the story is going then it doesn't I, matter i i never thought of that approach because what i've heard for the most part with tv is that it moves at a very fast pace yeah compared to to film but i i like that film approach that that's that's really cool yeah we we film at a fast pace like we, we will film anywhere between eight and and you know, an average between eight and, and 12, sometimes up to 15 pages a day. Um, we are moving super 
fast. And I've, I've, uh, you know, I've been on television sets as an actor and a stunt guy, and they, they average about that. They do, you know, I've seen them do eight to twelve pages a day. Um, some of them less, and then. Um, Oh, oh, oh gosh, you, I was just shadow directing on NCIS uh, New Orleans, and they they did it. They had some they had some page counts. I think that hit the twelve number mark. I, when I think it was at twelve, um, but they they in one way have less moving pieces than I did, just because we did a lot on location and we had less. We didn't have the the infrastructure. I guess you could say like they've got you know a crew of a hundred plus people making sure everything happens and I've got a crew of 40. So for us to get 12 pages off in a day is, it's a challenge, but we get it done. We get it done. Um, I like, I really like it, but yeah, I think more people should do it like that. Yeah, no, I, I actually really like that approach. Um, talk to me briefly about, uh, your series house divided. I haven't had a chance to check that out yet, but I, I, I would love to at some point. Yeah, that's a fun one. Um, so, so a house divided is about the Sanders family, and they're a uh, they're super wealthy billionaire class family, a uh, very prominent African American family living in Los Angeles. Um, and the the matriarch of the family passes away; she dies in the first scene, and it's basically that just kind of sets off this chain reaction of horrible events that that just keep compounding and the next thing you know this family is is just turning into something that it was just never meant to be but it's just oh my god there's so much that happens i don't even know how to describe it just watch a house divided on umc.tv or amazon prime and it's just just sit back for the ride it's it's insane like you know bronx sau um is, is got this sort of darker tone, this darker edge to it, where you can see that the characters are just barely holding it together. They, they come in this way in Bronx to see you, they're barely holding it together. And at the end of episode six, everyone is, is just, they're broken people. With House Divided, you're, you're meeting everybody at their best and you see them try so hard to hold on to the, that image of themselves as their the foundation underneath them is slowly crumbling and you're just waiting. You're just waiting for someone to finally just kick that last leg out and have it all tumble. It's, it's worth the ride. No, I'm excited. Sure. I'll, I'll definitely have to check it out. Cool. But if uh, people want to watch Bronx SIU, where can they check that out? I would say uh, Amazon prime and uh, umc.tv. Those are the two places. I, I know it's on other places, but if you go to those two places for sure, it'll be on there. Fantastic. Uh, so Eric Funden, who's watching on Facebook Live, asked, uh, "Did you Hi, were you a part of the Bill and Ted show at Universal?" I was. I was. I played Ted for six years. Fantastic. He's he wants he says he wants to say that he saw you while he was there and he saw the show. So no, was it me? When did he see it? When did you see it, Eric? Did he hear me? I don't know if he can. When did yeah. he see the show? Hopefully he's he's still watching. Yeah. And uh, Carlos Longoria brings this up, and I, I wanted to bring this up too. So uh, you were a stuntman in the upcoming uh, Bill and Ted movie. Yeah. How was your experience on that? It was awesome. I had one day. I had one day doing stunts. Um, and uh, it was just me and just a few other stunt guys. The And um, my buddy was, was coordinating it. And he knew that I had done – I was just a big Bill and Ted fan to begin with. And he knew I had done the the Bill and Ted show in at Universal and at Universal Hollywood and and Orlando, 
And so I remember he pulled me aside, just like, I'm going to give you this, this one last day I've got, it's all yours. And I was like, you would have thought that I won the lottery. I was so excited. Um, and I showed up and it was a miserably hot day and I wouldn't have traded it for the world. And I played this spaceman, this giant it's big astronaut suit on. And I was part of the one of the big scenes there at the end. And I, I didn't get to meet Bill and Ted. I got to see them from a distance. Um, I got to see and hang out next to the phone booth, which is, you know, just as famous as Bill and Ted. And it looked awesome. Um, yeah, I can't talk about it because it hasn't, obviously it hasn't come out, but if, if what I saw is any indication of how the movie's going to be, it's just going to, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a, a wild ride for sure. It's interesting because you think of movies that came out in the eighties and nineties, and it seems like they're creating sequels and reboots mm -hmm. to all these things. And you're like, I don't know if it's going to work because it's been so long and, you know, I'll use, you know, the upcoming top gun movie, you know, the original right. came out in the eighties and it was one of my favorite movies as a kid. Yeah. But when I saw the trailer, I was like, this looks really good. And I thought the it same thing. With Bill and, I thought the same thing with Bill and Ted when that trailer hit, you know, the internet yeah. lost its mind. Like we cannot wait for this to come out. It, so, you know, I think it just, it, it, it comes down to writing. Like, I don't think, I don't think Top Gun or Bill and Ted will ever be as good in our minds. You know, like it'll be better, always going to be better in our minds. But I think that they're, that they're actually stepping up and making, remaking these movies and not remaking, but giving us some sort of closure to these movies because Bill and Ted, I mean, we, we never knew, right. Did they write the song that saved the world? Yeah. Obviously not. Look at 2020. Clearly we're living in the version where they have not written the song yet. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, like we need them really bad to write this song. Um, I think it's great. And the trailer looks great, but it comes down to what we were talking about earlier, script writing. And, and it's the story, you know, if you really dedicate yourself to writing a good story and not just not just sort of trying to placate fanboys or or um, what you think people will want, but write an honest to God good story. It, it, it'll, it's the it's going to show in the final product. It just yeah. it's going to be there. Absolutely, no. Bill and Ted Three is the movie that that we as a society need right now. Oh gosh, we need it. <laughs> we be excellent to one another. Absolutely. It's pretty simple, but it's hard to come by right now. Absolutely. So as we start to wrap up here, I always like to to end my conversations with those who work in the film industry with this. What what's one piece of advice you could give to someone who wants to work in film and TV, whether it's an actor or a writer <clears throat> or director? You know, um, just go for it and, and understand that, you know, unless you're one of those rare one in a million it, it, it is not going to happen overnight. And I hope it does for you. I hope that you just walk down the street and like, ah, yes, you're exactly what we're looking for. And it happens sometimes, but that's usually that happens when you've been in the game for a while and, and you are in the right place at the right time because you know where to be. Um, just go for it, go for it and know that like your first film may not be that great. And your first audition, it, you, you may not be that good, but it's not about the first one. It's about the next one and the next one and the 15th and the hundredth that you do down the road and, and just go for it. Enjoy the fact that you don't know what's going on because those are some of the best moments in my life because I didn't know what was happening. So I didn't know, I didn't know the rules. So I just did it my way and it worked because I just reinvented the process as I went. And I think that's a great 
it's just a great place to be, you know, sort of this, this blissful ignorance as you, you, you head towards something. So just go for it. I, I, I can't put it more simple than that. Go for it and enjoy it. Just, you know, try. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, I tell people the same thing when I did the Parker syndrome. There was a lot that I prepped for, but there was still a lot that I didn't know. Yeah. And it, it was it was the best way to learn is just to do yeah. it. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Eric Funden chimed in. He's uh, He says he doesn't know the exact date, but it was in the late 90s. The late nineties. I don't know. See, I the last I did nineteen ninety nine. So, but he may have seen. You know, we all we all look the same. They put us in the same <laughs> the same costume and say. But thanks, Eric. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> and uh, do you have any websites, social media, uh, anything you want to plug so the viewers and listeners can follow you? Yeah, you know, I mean, if you want, I don't. I don't post much on the social media, but um, I on Instagram, it's Michael Mayhall. That that's where you can find me on Instagram. Probably if you just Google my name, you could find. Uh, my my website michaelmayhall.com um, other than that check out uh, check out a house divided and bronx siu on umc.tv fantastic well mike thank you so much for taking the time to do the show congratulations again on the emmy nomination thank you, and thank you. Uh, look forward to seeing what's next for you in the future thanks man and uh, thank you very much and you're out in pensacola right yes yeah i'm out in right. uh, in pensacola so pensacola. I love Pensacola. You uh, have fun. Stay safe out there, okay? You too. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Mike Mayhoff for coming on the show. Be sure to check out both his series, Bronx SIU and A House Divided, and follow him on social media to find out what he'll be up to next. For next week's show, I'll be doing another Facebook Live interview, and joining me on the show will be writer, director, and producer and one of my mentors, Steve Wise. You know him from various review segments that we've done on the show, most notably the Star Wars Marathon that we did late last year. He's been on the show a couple of times to talk about Jojo Rabbit and Knives Out and many other appearances, but he hasn't been on the show to just straight up discuss filmmaking in quite some time, and we'll be discussing screenwriting. Anything from getting your story started, getting critical feedback, character development, dialogue, what to do with your script when it's done. We'll be discussing all of that and more this upcoming Sunday at 6 p.m. Central Time on Facebook Live. So hopefully you guys can make it. If you can't, the audio version will be out for next week's episode. But until then, you can check out past episodes of the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you can get podcasts. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. And if you could... Leave me a review because the more reviews I get, the more exposure I get to the podcasting public. If you want to follow me on social media, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Podcast. And of course, thank you to my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers, for providing the theme music for the podcast. You can check out all their music on Apple Music, Google Play, and Spotify. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you once again to Mike Mayhall. Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another awesome episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys this Sunday on Facebook Live.